This is The Good List. I'm Tish Oxenreiter. This is an idea. I don't have to tell you that 2020 has been the wildest year of our lifetimes. We feel it in every area of our lives, from our parenting, to our work, to our travel, or lack thereof, to our faith practices, to our exercise and eating habits, to our relationships and communities, to our finances, to our overall emotional and mental well-beings, and to our ability to concentrate. I'd also include somewhere in this long list of ways 2020 has changed us, in both direct and indirect ways, how we use the internet. I'm enormously grateful for it and think I'd be going much crazier during this pandemic without it. I'm thankful that many of us have the ability to work and do school remotely, to order grocery pickup, to support local businesses with online ordering, and to find both information and entertainment that genuinely makes going through this global isolated event a little easier. And all this is thanks to the technology of the internet. The internet, as you know, can also be a dumpster fire of noise, chaos, misinformation, bullying, FOMO, despair, anxiety, and isolation. And there's no denying this. To do so would be to bury our heads in the sand, to say, no, no, everything's fine, just let me have my devices, thank you. It's both and. The internet is a great tool of our modern age that connects us in important ways, and it's a channel of despair when it's used nefariously. It's a neutral tool, like a brick. It can be used to build a house or break a window. Because of this paradox about the internet, I am a big, big, big believer in doing my individual part to make the internet more of the first description. A place of needed connection, education, encouragement, and personal and communal growth, and much, much less of the latter. Now, there's more than one way to do this. We can set up our personal parameters that help us keep the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. Things like ad blockers, time management software, browser extensions that take away the things that bother us, and other little hacks that keep us more focused when we enter the distracting world of the web. We can also speak out on our own spaces, big and small. We can, for example, use our social media accounts to encourage our friends and followers to be better neighbors, get out in nature, read good books, appreciate artistry, make people laugh, get offline, and generally be better humans. We can do the same and... I'd argue even more, with our blogs, podcasts, video channels, and newsletters, if we have those things. We can use those time management tools and apps to make sure we personally do the things we encourage others to do. That is, spend more of our life offline than on. We can get online to do the things we both need to do and want to enjoy, and then get off to cook more, garden more, walk more, sleep more, talk more, and listen more. In doing this, we're modeling the lives we want for others, For our children, our parents, our neighbors, our friends, we're being the change we want to see in the world. And there's one other practical way we can make sure the internet is more of a tool for good than evil, and that's to directly support the work done that makes it that space. I'm talking about literally supporting, individually, the work being done that helps you appreciate the internet more and helps you to be more of the human you want to be. Think of those podcasts, video channels, newsletters, news media outlets, services, and beyond that help you be more of an informed citizen, a more educated adult, a less anxious parent, a better read neighbor, and a better steward of the earth. And make sure those resources stay afloat. 
2020 has been hard financially on so many of us, and that's no small thing. And that's all the more reason why it's essential that our hard-earned dollars go to the things we truly care about. Part of that looks like eliminating as many dollars as we can from the resources that either take away from, or at least don't contribute to, the world we want to live in. And it also looks like redirecting those dollars to the places we want to stick around. Just like in our offline world, where it's good to order takeout from our beloved neighborhood restaurants and coffee from our locally owned cafes, it's important to support online businesses and creators that do the things we say we care about. I'll share practically how this works in my own life in just a bit, right after I thank a sponsor who's actually all these things I'm talking about in this episode. So I'll be right back. A quick break to tell you about the fantastic sponsor of this episode, Rothy's. Rothy's makes the best shoes and bags. All the fabric they use for their bags and shoes is made from a combination of their signature thread created from water bottles and plastic. Truly, I don't know how they've done it. They've already kept 60 million single-use plastic bottles out of landfills. And when your shoes need some TLC, they just get tossed into the washing machine. Truly, I've never before had machine washable flats that still look brand new after wearing them all over London for years now. Their super stylish selection of shoes for women and girls are legit comfortable enough to wear every day, anywhere, and with everything. I still love both my yellow flats and my black Chelsea boots, and their most popular shoe, the Point in Black, has over 3,000 near-perfect reviews from Happy Rothy's customers. Buying your next pair of shoes from Rothy's is a great example of recycling and supporting a company with good environmental practices that also make fantastic stuff. Just the sort of thing I'm talking about in this episode. So check out all their ever-evolving colors and patterns of shoes for women and kids and bags available now at rothys.com slash goodlist. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash goodlist. Comfort, style, and sustainability, these are the shoes and bags you've been looking for. So one more time, that's rothys.com slash goodlist. All right, so supporting our favorite online businesses and creators. Most of us know this is important, but how does it work, boots on the ground, especially when you're on a budget? Well, obviously, I can't give you your best line-by-line item budget for supporting the things that matter to you, but I can illustrate for you how it works right now in my life. This isn't to brag nor tell you how to do it. It's simply to give you a practical example of things you can translate for your own life. First, I now buy books online from bookshop.org instead of Amazon. You already know this from episode 22 of The Good List, so I won't rehash everything here. But to recap, books are hugely important to me. I'm not a fan of how Amazon is seemingly taking over everything, though I do admit it's hard to make a clean break from them completely. So I can at least support local bookshops by shopping online at bookshop.org. And as someone with an online platform, I'm doing my best to promote books via bookshop.org as well. I've got a bookshop there full of my personal recommendations. And when you order from there, you're both supporting local bookshops and supporting me as an indie creator, which is a win-win-win all around, I think. Next, our family has monthly subscriptions for the entertainment venues we truly value. So this year, we subscribe to BritBox and watch it frequently to scratch our Anglophile itch. 
We've also bought and downloaded a few more movies than usual since we're not going to movie theaters and it's only a few dollars more to just go ahead and buy it for our iTunes library instead of renting it. We're very intentional about what we buy out of support for good artistry. So for example, not too long ago, we bought A Hidden Life, Murder on the Orient Express, Knives Out, Interstellar, and The Sandlot instead of renting them, just because we want to do our small part in supporting the sort of films we want to keep being made. Third, I support with my dollars the teachers and resources that support my lifelong continuing education. So instead of just buying the next course or bundle of resources that happen to be on sale and then never use them, I intentionally set aside some of our funds to pay for the things that support us as a family who learns. The specifics change, but right now as I'm recording this, I'm currently paying for a storytelling course and membership that genuinely makes me a better writer, a membership filled with courses for classical education, which further trains me in my work as an English teacher, an at-home fitness program called Mama Strong, and Word on Fire Institute as part of my faith formation. My oldest teen is also taking an online course as part of her homeschool. These resources and creators genuinely make our life better, and I want to make sure they stay around. And the only real way I can do that is by putting my money where my mouth is. Instead of just enjoying their free podcasts or online forums or social media accounts, I further support their work by becoming members of their services, which in turn gives me much, much, much more in return. Fourth, I support the journalism that I feel is good and so necessary right now. So this means right now we pay for The Atlantic, our local NPR station, The New York Times, and All Sides. And finally, and arguably most importantly for this episode, I support indie creators who are literally doing the work I want to see out on the internet and in the world. The two places this happens the most is on Patreon and Substack, which are similar in some ways in that they're platforms that allow fans and followers to directly support the creators they love. Patreon tends to be a little more about thanking a supporter in exchange for extras, while Substack is more for writers who want to go deeper with the people who value their work by sharing more in-depth writing in a subscribers-only space. To me, Substack feels more like the way blogging used to be 10 to 12 years ago. Well, these are generalities, of course, but this is the gist of both of these spaces. My subscriptions in these arenas have changed over the years, but here's how it looks for me personally right now. On Patreon, I'm currently supporting the podcast From the Front Porch from Annie B. Jones, the owner of the bookshelf in Thomasville, Georgia. I've never been to her shop personally, though it's high on my to-do list in my travels, but I love her and the work she's putting out in the world, so it's worth it for me to be one of her monthly patrons. I'm also a patron of Beth and Sarah of Pantsuit Politics because I truly believe their work is so, so important right now. I'm also a patron of The Catholic Traveler because I love the beauty he's added to my life, and I've learned so much from him as a travel guide and a current resident of Rome. I want him to keep doing what he does, and this is my small way of making sure he can. And lastly, I'm currently a patron of Dear Hank and John because I just love the Green Brothers, our whole family does, and I want more work like theirs out on the internet. That doesn't just happen with wishful thinking. Then on the Substack side of things, I subscribe to many newsletters from writers there, both free and paid, because I truly believe supporting independent writers of all sorts is hugely important in our culture's current climate. We're so used to finding stuff for free on the internet that it's easy to forget how much more we take than we give, and that good words don't just happen. If we want to see more truth in journalism, better stories told by more people than those who have huge platforms, and more thoughtful reflections from folks whose perspectives we're grateful for, 
We have to be the ones who help make this happen. I'm serious about this. So for me, personally, this means right now I subscribe to David French's The Dispatch, Claire Diaz-Ortiz's newsletter, Knox McCoy's Sectional Healing, Amber Haynes' Story Letters, Seth Haynes' The Examined Life, Searcy Institute's Forma Journal, Hank Green's Pay Attention, Nicole Bennett's Book is the Watchword, Mark Galley's Galley Report, Jeff Chu's Notes from a Make-Believe Farmer, Stephanie Smith's Slant Letter, Michael Ware's Reclaiming Hope, Anna Cordrea Rado's The Professional Freelancer, Sarah Bessie's Field Notes, Aaron Moon's The Swipe Up, and Caroline Tassell's I'll Be Witty Tomorrow. Now, I'm saying all of this only to show you how much good work is out there and that we are invited to be part of it. And the cherry on top is that I also love Substack as a company. I've been on the phone with them a few times with the founders, and they're genuinely great people who care deeply about the internet being a good place for all of us. You probably already know that I also have a Substack newsletter called Books and Crannies. And if any of my work has meant anything to you over the years, from my podcast to The Art of Simple, to my books, to Five Quick Things, heck, even to my Spotify playlists... Becoming a subscriber is a huge way you can vote with your dollars for the kind of place you want the internet to be. As ad structures and systems constantly change on the internet, all the time, but especially in 2020, supporting your favorite writers and other creators directly is probably the most important way you can help them do the work you largely enjoy for free. I promise you get so much more than you give, and it sounds corny, but it truly is a joy to become a true supporter of your favorite creators. As an antidote to despair in 2020, give it a try if you haven't yet. Hi, Tish. This is Amanda McClendon from Houston, Texas. There is a show on Netflix called uh, The Repair Shop, and it. I think it was originally uh, aired on the BBC. Um, so anyway, it's, it takes place at an actual repair shop in uh, the countryside in England. And it's uh, a group of people who are just really, really good at fixing things. And people will bring in antiques. And it's not like Antiques Roadshow where they're evaluating the value of the thing. Um, most often it's just people's family heirlooms that they've had in their family for like 300 years or something like that. Plus, maybe not 300 years, but you get what I mean. Like a guy brought in his uh, wind-up Dalek toys from Doctor Who from the 70s. People bring in their stuffed animals. And uh, these people just lovingly restore them back to back to life. And it's really, really chill and it's hyper competent people with British accents just uh, doing really good work. Anyway, I think you would really like it. I hope you're having a good day. Bye. Thanks to listener Amanda for sharing with us what's on her good list. All those people I said I personally subscribe to in this episode, even though my point is more the idea of directly supporting creators and not what I specifically subscribe to, If you're curious, you can find links to their spaces in the show notes of this episode, number 46. A few reminders that my latest book, Shadow and Light, A Journey into Advent, is officially out in the world. And you can also find that at your favorite bookstore or in the links of the show notes of this episode. 
and also that you can find and subscribe to my newsletter, Books and Crannies, also using the link in the show notes. And one more thing, I would like to learn a little bit more about you. If you can, please fill out the short, super easy listener survey I have that helps me improve my future work as a podcaster. And as a thank you, I'll randomly draw one of your names and send you a box of some of my favorite things. You can find the link to the survey in the show notes of this episode, or go to thegoodlistshow.com slash survey. And thank you in advance. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. And thanks, as always, to Caroline Tassell and Kyle Oxenreiter for their help, as well as my furry intern, Ginny. I'm Tish Oxenreiter, and I'll be back with you soon. Thanks for listening to The Good List.